There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hello, this is Chris Cooper and a big welcome to the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. It is great to be back with you uh, for yet an, yet another week. Uh, and uh, I want to say before we get um, started today that um, if you haven't had the opportunity and you're interested in, in uh, hybrid working and um, you're interested in you know this this where do, where do we work where is the worst work workplace today uh, what is it uh, then there was a fantastic interview last week um, my guest Julia Hobsbawm OBE uh, was um, was absolutely fascinating she's written a book called the Nowhere Office it's a uh, sixth book it's uh, been very very successful and we had a great conversation about about hybrid working uh, about um, whether we should go back to the office. Uh, I think one of the little insights that really stuck in my mind was the conversation about birdsong. And I have clients who are debate going through that debate, should they go back to the office or not? Um, or are they, they're, they're making the staff go back into the office? And I think the one thing we miss when we're not in the office, if we're not careful, is that the birdsong, the chatter, the, um, the bumping into people, the learning, the observing. Uh, and uh, I think you have to recreate that in some way if you're not in an office space, that connection. Now, um, I'm going to talk today, today with um, with Tom Hubler, uh, who knows a lot about connection, and he deeply cares about um, you know the, the soul of family business. So we're going to have a conversation today, which I think is going to be you know a deep one. It's uh, an important one, and there are uh, such a large percentage of companies out there. I think in um, Tom in his book um, talks about eighty to ninety percent of businesses in the USA being family businesses and um certainly there's a very high percentage in the uk so it's a very very important sector with its own kind of unique challenges when you've got family and you've got uh, you've got business and they're mixing together like a cocktail and sometimes it's uh, it tastes great and sometimes it doesn't um so so we're going to talk today about how to build a successful family business and whether you have your own family business or you're setting up your own business, you've been op operation for a while, or actually you're somebody who helps businesses who are families. And I think you're going to find this really fascinating. But of course, my guest today would say the important thing to do is to do that in the context of, of business, but also with a warm and loving family. Uh, Tom Hubler has over 35 years of experience of working with families. In his early career, he was actually a marriage and family therapist. And uh, he received a, a Bush Fellowship in 1977, pioneered the concept of succession planning in family-owned business. And today, I mean, he helps families develop a shared vision for the family, for the business, um, identify individual talents, deal with unspoken issues, those elephants in the room, create individual and organizational strategies to ensure a personally and financially rewarding business. Um, he has um, uh, he's a founding member of the Family Firm Institute in Boston, a professional organization that serves the needs of family owned businesses. He's um, he's he's a fellow of the FFI 
He's a widely quoted expert. He's been on all sorts of um, you know, publications um, across the globe, like the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Business Week. So I can't think of a better person to be talking to about family businesses today, family-owned businesses. So a big welcome to Tom Hoopler. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> Hi, Tom. Lovely to speak to you. Hey, Tom, just before we start, I should have asked you this earlier. Is, is it Hoobler, Hubler? How do you prefer your surname? Uh it's actually Hubler. Hubler. Okay. Well, well, we'll get that right from now on. It should be an umlaut over the U. Ah. Okay. So is it of is it of um, sort of Germanic descent or? Well, you know what's really interesting. For all my life, I uh, I thought I was German, and a few years ago, my father-in-law did a family of origin project. Yeah. Discovered that the first Hubler to come to the United States was from Switzerland, and he emigrated through Holland, and he settled in Philadelphia in 1737. Oh wow! So I'm so I'm really Swiss with a Germanic background. Wow! Oh, yeah, fascinating! Wow. Yeah, I didn't know no. that. No, no. So last year we went to Switzerland just to see Switzerland. Yeah, what a beautiful place! Yes, wonderful yeah. place. Yeah. Did you work out which town you were from in Switzerland? Switzerland? Uh, it's a small, small little village type town, and so we didn't go. Yeah. Yeah. The, the trip path fantastic so so tell us a little bit about your your kind of life you know growing up and uh and also be you know whereabouts are you in the you in the usa whereabouts do you well i live in uh, st paul minnesota yeah which is at 45 degrees north latitude <laughs> that's one of the things we're halfway between the equator and the north pole and uh and and up until global warming we were one of the colder spots in the country uh, I've got a um, co-authored a book uh, with a gentleman from Minnesota, and uh, he, he he talked about uh, Stephen um, talked about Levinson. He talked about um, when he was a child, you know, throwing throwing bottles of water up in the air and them freezing, yes. and exploding. Yeah, it was a bit as a fun. Right. So, can you still do that it now? Is it still cold enough? It has to be really cold and below zero, and you can take hot water. A big pan or a bucket of hot water and throw it up in the air and it just disappears oh wow wow so we and have is, all kinds of fun yeah i can imagine i can imagine um so tell us a bit about your your sort of growing up and um and, and what led you uh towards um you know you, you doing what you do and give a little bit of shape of uh, of your life and well you know there there are really a lot of things and one of the things you mentioned you wanted me to comment about um, is my own family and family has been very, very, very important to me. And, and I mentioned to you in one of our previous conversations that I've got two adult children, uh, as it turns out, that were adopted and are also black. And I have seven grandchildren and the oldest is 26 and the youngest is uh, eight. And uh, they're all really, 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 really talented. Yeah. And uh, so you, know, I can brag and brag and brag and brag and brag. But uh, part of it, and one of the other questions you wanted me to comment about is, you know, how I got started here. Yeah. And some of it came as a result of when I was going to school, undergraduate school, I went to St. Cloud State College, which is a state college in central Minnesota. And while I was there, I lived at a children's home where there were six cottages of emotionally disturbed children. And I was in the young kids cottage and so it was a little cottage of five or six little boys and five or six little girls. And there was a dorm and so forth. And um, 
if you happen to have evening duty, uh, you did dinner and, and homework and, you know, some television play. And finally, you had to get them ready for bed and, and tuck, or get put their pajamas on and tuck them in and, and uh, tell and put them to bed and tell them that they were loved and give them a kiss goodnight. And it didn't make any difference who you were or what color you were or anything like that. And so that so I so put a parenthesis around that. In the meantime, there were a couple of uh, therapists up there. A guy named Jim Gravy and uh, and another fellow, Jim Kemp, who were really impressive people to me and, and inspired me about wanting to be a therapist. And then I had a, a professor at uh, St. Cloud State that was really terrific. And so all of that influenced me in terms of you know moving in the direction of majoring in psychology. And then when I got out of school, my the entry level jobs and my first job was at Catholic Charities in St. Paul. And the entry-level jobs were doing adoptions. And so when I got there, there was this big book, three-ring binder, of hard-to-place kids. And it was mixed-race kids, Native American kids, black kids, white kids with physical disabilities. And I thought, oh, well, I'll adopt a couple of black kids. And so this is before I was engaged or married or anything. And uh, so, so it turned out we had two children that uh, were born and died at birth. And then we also adopted our two uh, adult children, Kirsten and John. And again, I said, I've got seven grandkids. Wow. So, uh, you know, so I, and then the other thing, the other thing that's all related to this story is when I was a young professional at Catholic Charities, they would send me out once in a while to give a talk at one of the churches. And I was giving this talk one day and someone said at the end, at the end of the presentation, how did how did you get interested in psychology? And I and I spontaneously I don't know where it came from said it to them. Well, there are two answers. The professional answer is uh, I did well in psychology, and that's what brings me here today. And I said, but the real answer is I started as an unpaid volunteer in my own family at age seven. So I tease and say that I've been doing this work ever since I was a small boy. Mm. So, so anyway, so being a part of the family and having, you know, challenges in our family when I was a kid growing up, uh, you know, have influenced me in terms of what has become my life work yes. of having, uh, you know, creating positive family relationships. Yes. So so um, so, so you you were so you, you were brought up in the children's home or I mean, you, you were brought up in the children's home. Um, you, you were brought up in a children's home, did you say? I apologize. I can't understand. I'm sorry. I thought. I thought. I thought you said that you were brought up in a children's home when you were oh, young. No, I worked in a children's. Well, home. you worked in it from a young age as a volunteer. When I was a when I was at uh, St. Cloud State, oh, so I was. You know, I if I was about twenty one or twenty two years old. Gotcha. And there were two nuns that lived in the in the apartment, and then I had a room, a bedroom off the uh, the uh, living room, and I was what was called a cottage parent. And that's, you know, I, don't, I have a sister who's just two years younger. So it was really fascinating for me to be, you know, you know, working with these little kids, mm. which was really a completely new experience for me. Yeah. It's, it's wonderful to hear, actually, how how well your your uh, daughters have done you, yeah, in yeah. life. You know, the oldest Kaylee, my oldest granddaughter is 26. And she was, uh, she's the one I brag about the most because obviously she's the oldest, but she was the uh, junior class president, the senior class president 
in high school and homecoming queen and the first young African-American young woman to become homecoming queen in her high school. Mm. And she went to Marshfield High School in the central part of Wisconsin. And then I've got uh, like four, the four youngest of my grandkids, three of the four are in the National Honor Society, uh, which is a, 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 you know, a, a student achievement type of thing. And the youngest is not in because she's not old enough to be in. So like all, all the grandkids are really, really, really doing well. Yeah. And, and did you find, I mean, it's interesting. Would, would you record, would you recommend to people, um, to, to white families or to uh, adopt uh, African-American children or vice versa, uh, from your experiences? You know, that's a, that's a complicated question. And there are people on, will argue on both sides of that question. Um, for the most part, I would, I would move toward it, but you have to be really positive and, and and developing the um, the emotional connection to the adopted children to their ethnic backgrounds, mm-hmm. and so like my you know like my kids every time there was something going on in the Twin Cities having to do with some sort of black celebration we would go to it, and uh, recently Angeli Angelila Jolie put out some sort of a Twitter or comment about raising black children and what you needed to do. And my daughter, who is now 51 years old, sent me a email and said, Dad, you were way ahead of the curve. And so (laughs) so that, so like, you know, like Kirsten now, Kirsten was, uh, she went to a prep school because I, you know, the, the, uh, the kids, the public schools were where the expectation was that black kids would not be successful. So she went to a prep school and she said at the end of her graduation, she'd had enough of this white stuff and they wouldn't play the black kids music at the high school dances. And so she ended up going to a black college down in Georgia. And uh, what was what I'm proudest about partly is the fact that nobody could tell that she was from a white family. They could tell that she was from the North and had a Northern accent, but they didn't know that she was from a white family until she finally told them and things like that. Yeah, so we've had all kinds of interesting experiences. I can I, I can imagine. I think we we'll probably do the whole interview on this. Um, <laughs> I guess I guess we should talk about some um, family business and the the soul of family business. Um, so you 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 were a marriage and family therapist, and then yes. you know you've moved into guiding family businesses now in a, in a soulful way. So yes. tell us tell us what that means. Well, uh, you know, that, that's something else again that happened gradually. But one of the things that happened when I first got into the field, I, you know, I, I got this Bush Fellowship, which is a 3M uh, Foundation Fellowship to study organizational development. And I got it by saying that mental health professionals don't do within their own systems what they teach their clients to do, which is true. Mm. And so off to school I went, and my original plan was to work for the nonprofits. And it was a brilliant idea, and I got to go to school, and I got funded and all that. But it never dawned on me that there was no money in their budgets to pay for those services. So I went, duh. Yeah. So then I began to do work for law firms and physician groups that have a terrible time managing their differences. And in the early 80s, I was in Cleveland to deliver a paper to conference, and I accidentally came across an unpublished paper on family-owned businesses. And I read it on the airplane uh, coming back to Minneapolis and said to my partner, who is an attorney, this is a much better blend of our backgrounds. Hmm. So so there, we were the, one of the first 
interdisciplinary groups working with family businesses, both on the business side of the equation as well as on the family side. And one of the things that comes up, or at least in those days came up all the time, was the importance of the bottom line, a financial concept having to do with profit profitability. Yeah. And it occurred to me uh, in the very beginning, how come there's no bottom line on the family side? I mean, you know, uh, and what's what's evolved for me is what I now call the soul of family business, which is the essence of a family business, which has to do with uh, how I would define essence is all their values and all the diff different things that happen to them as a family. And when you put all that together and, and formulate it in terms of values and on the basis of that, create a, a statement, a positive statement in the first person present tense, like a castle in the air or your ideal vision of yourself as a family business, that becomes your soul. That becomes your essence. Yeah. Yes. And, and so uh, so the one of the questions I ask clients when we create this is what are the family values that you would like to see perpetuated in the uh, in the company? Yeah. And they make a list and then we go about formulating that list into a statement. And I, uh, you know, I knew we were going to be talking about this. So I brought along a couple of examples. And one of them is a this is a real family, but a fictitious name. And the company, uh, the family is called Dance, D-A-N-Z. And it was a father and two sons who worked in the company. And then there was the mom and uh, the wife of the oldest son. And uh, the father and son hadn't spoken to each other in three years, despite the fact that they worked side by side. And uh, in the summer of 1998, this is the common vision that they created. It says, in our family and business, we promote respect, honesty, fairness, and encourage an environment that is loyal and unified. At the heart of our vision is our commitment to generosity, quality, and an appreciation of each other's gifts. As a hardworking and dedicated family, we communicate and celebrate our spirituality. Well, this was a very conservative, uh, traditional Catholic family. Then the next thing on the, their list, each family member has got a, a sheet like this. The next thing on their list is the family prayer for loving kindness. Mm. It's like high performance athletes program their mind to create what they want in terms of an outcome. Families can do the same thing. So the family prayer is, may our family be filled with loving kindness. May, may we, we be well. May our family be peaceful at ease. And may our family be happy. Beautiful. The next, the next thing is each member of the family has their own individual vision. And the, this is an example of the dads. He was sort of semi-retired and he said, I and my family are blessed by God's abundance. I'm nourished by giving back. So he was sneaking around his community doing positive things anonymously. And then below that is kithing. And I mentioned to you earlier in a previous conversation, Kithing is a Scottish word that means connecting at a spiritual level. And so every day he kithes, and, and to kithe is to basically put your soul into the soul of another person. And so he, he kithes that which is, you know, the other person wants. In this case, it's his wife. It's uh, may Violet be inspired by God's generous love. May Saul inspire those he works with to achieve their highest potential. 
that's his youngest son. And then his daughter-in-law, may Joan experience the quotes of her life and the joy of nurturing God's love in their family. And finally, his oldest son, John, continued the feeling of contentment and appreciation for the blessings of his life regarding family and unity. And Fantastic. the goal is that they would recite this on a daily basis, mm. you know, make this a, a reality. Mm. And, and the interesting thing about this family, uh, if I can just talk a few minutes more about it, is that they are the first family that I did a family forgiveness ritual. And I know you've read my book, so you know a little bit about that. Yeah. But but I but I said to the family one day, I said, well, what you guys need is a family forgiveness ritual. And what was happening is there were five other adult children who you used to blame their older brother for the problems with the dad. Now, they didn't work there, but whenever they would family would gather for family holidays like Thanksgiving or Christmas, they would ice their older brother and not talk with him. And I said, well, you need a forgiveness ritual. So we created this ritual that included forgiveness and things like that that are important. And um, I gave a little talk about forgiveness from a psychological perspective. And their parish priest gave one from a uh, religious perspective. And then we talked about what people want to be forgiven for. Well, got really, really, really quiet. And I thought, well, this is a dumb thing to do. I should have never suggested this. Well, finally, the uh, brother who had flown in from Memphis, Tennessee, to be with his family forgiveness ritual, said to his um, dad, I want to ask for your forgiveness for taking so long to tell you that I was gay. And uh, he had previously announced it, but now he was asking for forgiveness hmm. because of the not trusting his dad is what it amounted to. And so it got really quiet again, a long, long pause. And finally, the dad said, I want to ask for your forgiveness for how I handled hearing that you were gay. Mom started to cry. Everybody else were, was in tears. And we ended up having a potluck meal, and the family said, We've never been in better shape. And so the idea of creating forgiveness or, or a new beginning in a family is something that's critical for all families, but particularly for family businesses, yeah. because it's impossible to live in a family with people you love and not inadvertently step on each toe, each other's toes once in a while. And so you have to be able to forgive each other when that occurs. Yeah. Yeah. Tom, on that note, we're going to go to commercial break, but it's a lovely way to end. Um, forgiveness is really important. We're back again with everybody in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one -one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device. 
including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with, uh, with Tom um, Hubler, and we've been talking about um, the solar family business. We were talking before the break about forgiveness, and I think, um, you know, what the uh, the family values and the um, the family sort of forgiveness um, uh, ritual. Um, I think what they do is they they help uh, um, you know focus in on some of the you know, help help overcome some of the issues that you have might have in an organisation or things that are unsaid. And, and I'm just interested, Tom. I having myself been in business for thirty years, I, I, I and, and being around difficult situations uh, these days. With client, I, I finally feel that I'm now able to really navigate these conversations really well. Um, but it's taken me a long time, uh, you know. And you're 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 um, you've got more experience uh, in these areas than me. Um, how do you advise people go about, you, you know, the, addressing these elephants in a room, which could, you know, could cause um, uh, some upset in the family if you get it wrong? Um, well, first of all, it's 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 starting from a matter of respect yeah for the other person and um and one of the things i share with clients all the time is it's from a book called managing from the heart and the heart is an acronym and the h is to hear and understand me and i would underline understand because understand means the way you get understanding is to listen yeah. and most of us have not had a, a class on listening and about how to be a good listener and um, people sometimes listen to be critical rather than to understand. So listening is the key to having good conversations. The E is even if even if we disagree, please don't make me wrong. So the idea is that you and I can have a different perspective about an issue, and both of us are right. Yeah. People get into right and wrong, good and bad, win and lose conversations, and it's always a lose-lose proposition. The A is to acknowledge the greatness in, within me or within you. And the idea is to basically give, in a genuine way, positive praise to each other. Yeah. And I'll comment about that in, in, in a minute. 
And then the R is to remember to look for my loving intentions. Nobody gets up in the morning and says, how can I go down to the office and screw up my family or screw up my company? You know, I may have over the years, 35 years, met maybe one or two people like that, but 99% of everybody wants things to be well in their family and business. And then the, the T is, tell me the truth with compassion. So I believe in honesty, openness, and candor about everything, but it needs to be done with kindness, care, and yeah. respect. Yeah. There's a woman who you, you may know her name. Uh, she's a cultural anthropologist. Her name is Angelus Arian. Are you familiar with her? No, no. You've really got to get her stuff. She's really, really, really dynamic. Yeah. And she's one of the best authors on spirituality, by the way. Um, but anyway, uh, she's, as you would imagine, as a cultural anthropologist, she, she studied indigenous people. And her first book is called The Fourfold Way. And she has uh, she's created these four rules about how to live in today's culture. Uh, and her third rule relates to what I was talking about, which is be able to speak your truth without judgment, criticism, or blame. Yeah. And so the idea is that when you talk about whatever you wanna talk about, you do it from an I perspective and not a blame perspective or a you perspective. Yeah. And those are some of the things that will support you know, things being positive. The other thing I alluded to earlier here uh, was about being being positive and, and giving positive regard. And one of the things that drives tension in family businesses is, is the uh, is the lack of the lack of that. And so I in the book, there's my David Letterman list mm. of the 10 obstacles to succession planning. And when I'm out speaking, I'll say, well, what, what do you think number one is? And people speculate, well, it's money, it's taxes, whatever it is. People don't realize that number one issue in family businesses is the lack of expression of appreciation, recognition, and love. Yeah. That's what drives the system. The younger generation basically uh, loves their parents, but takes them for granted and doesn't tell them, mom and dad, we really appreciate what you've been doing for us and vice versa. Yeah. Parents do the same thing in reverse. They love their kids, take them for granted, and don't tell them how much they appreciate what they're doing. Yeah. I can There's imagine. A, yeah, I can imagine. I was going to say, Tom, I can imagine then with, with for example, the the forgiveness ritual. Uh, and you mentioned people you t uh, talking about the, the, um, the purpose, the value, family values and forgiveness ritual and doing it daily. Is that um, by doing that, it's, it's a reminder to adopt these lovely, um, you know, decent behaviors yes. uh, and, and avoid, it avoids you from, uh, you know, it, it, forgetting about it and it being put to the back burner because you just had an issue in the factory or you've just, you know, you've got right. people sick or it actually reminds you about what's truly important. Yeah, that's really true. Uh, I know you're familiar with the Mayo Clinic, which is down in Rochester, Minnesota. It's an international medical center. And there's a guy there on the on the faculty called Ahmad Sood, and he he runs the stress reduction clinic there, and he basically teaches people who have got terrible physical problems how to manage the stress of that, and he basically has got two things: kind attention, which is before you get up in the morning you think about some people you want to have some kindness for, 
and then shared attention which is basically giving people some attention the first 20 people you meet but then he says there are five lenses around how to look at the world or how to look at people in the world or how to interact with each other it includes empathy acknowledging yeah. um or, or oh gee whiz i'm blocking on the second one right now so the third one is acknowledging a higher power fourth one is uh forgiveness and the fifth one is gratitude and uh i think i missed one i've got empathy number, number two is it's control control right i'm not in control yeah so i mean basically you know if you if you live your life according to those principles you can have difficult conversations in a positive way and 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 have differences of opinion and say okay well, we've got different a different way to look at this problem how can we solve it in a win-win fashion with the best of your ideas and the best of my ideas and come to a conclusion that will represent both of our ideas yeah. how do you how do you draw how how do you enable family businesses who perhaps uh, don't have a you know aren't from a, a religious background or a spiritual background um how do you how do you get into their listening to help them realize that this is really important well uh i was going to be smart and say well first of all they don't hire me <laughs> no. but the truth of the matter is um you know i don't necessarily get into it from a spirit from a religious perspective but most people understand about spirituality yeah. and how spirituality is a common uh frame of reference about all things yeah. in the world are spiritual and uh and so they're more apt to move in that direction yes again you know people want to do the right thing if you help them by setting the table in a positive way and give them a, a an out or a way of doing things that is constructive and positive and has an outcome that uh they can appreciate they're generally willing to do it or try it yeah yeah great it's great so and um any other sort of best practices when it comes to from your experience when it comes to family business well, you know um about a couple of great ones there um i think you know first of all you, you know if you if you imagine if you can imagine two circles a family circle and a business circle and if you work in a, a publicly traded company, they're separate. Yep. In a family-owned business, those circles are overlapped. And the overlap is what de determines the degree to which they're successful and, and have challenges. And um, so, um, so I say to my clients, you know, in order to create balance between these two systems, for your success, you have to have structure and formality and they say to me tom we don't need all that structure and formality because we love each other mm. and i say to them it's because you love each other that you need <laughs> and so the structure and formality that we're talking about includes the four plans in a family business which is an ownership plan which includes governance you know the question is how do you replace the entrepreneur yeah well, they're irreplaceable. So you have to come up with a new system. And the new system is governance. The second area of planning is uh, management and leadership, yeah. which 
includes you know the 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 role of the owner entrepreneur and how they're going to be what's the plan for the future well the the idea of an owner entrepreneur leaving the company is almost like death one of my colleagues when i taught at the university of st thomas said to me one day he said my father said to me one day when he goes to heaven he hopes he can still sell tires <laughs> his fantasy of going to heaven was being able to sell tires well the idea is is to create a um entrepreneurs are driven by their their dreams and so the idea is called i call it life career planning to help them develop a new dream in relation to their company and their family and their grandkids and their legacy yeah so that so they don't have to leave the company but what they have to do is change their job description and become the architect and the designer of the new ownership system and the new management and leadership system yes and related to this is the family participation plan which is basically the guidelines for entry into the business what are the criteria what what, what education what's the plan for development what's the plan for leadership what's the compensation system going to be how, how is that going to work yeah. and then the third plan on the business side is the uh the, the business plan for the company and when you're an entrepreneurial company you can get away with not having a business plan but when you have multiple owners of a company you have to have a, a form form of business plan okay <laughs> excuse me and then the last plan is a uh, a family plan about how you're going to be a family without the undue influence of the business yeah i believe is and this is the thing that i that goes back to the uh the uh this notion of the vision on the on the uh no there's no common vision or bottom line on the family side you have to build the emotional equity of the family while you're building the equity of the company yeah and most family businesses lean toward building the equity of the company and forget about the importance of building the equity of their uh family business yeah so in addition some of the other skills that are really necessary for supporting what we've just been talking about is having regular family meetings mm. there's three types of meetings you need to have in a family business ownership meetings management leadership meetings and then family meetings and everybody gets to go to those yeah and tom tom in your from your experience how how important is it that a family also has um outside independent support so you know some of my clients for example have got i've got one one client who never has more than one family member on the board and they have um an md who's a non-family member running the business running the business but they the family are in the background the chairman's always about always the you know the latest the six generations now um right. but they they um they, they think it's important that um family emotions don't run too high and uh and they believe the business is safer if it's uh if they're, in, they're involved but it's it's managed by and led by an expert who's not a family member that's their choice that's their plan right. but how important is that are people from the outside do you think in a in a business of, of, of some I, scale i'm probably thinking you know the the, the the least expensive form of consulting is having a board of directors without with a minimum outside advisory experience yeah and what you do is you get people who can give you some diversity of perspectives about how to solve business issues and concerns and i agree that there needs to be a boundary 
between family issues and business issues and the idea of structure and formality and not allowing family issues and the politics of the family to screw up in what what's otherwise is a business operation that operates in terms of you know the things we've talked about earlier of, of family participation and the ground rules and so yeah. forth and and so that it's very important to have uh, additional perspectives about things because we can sometimes think about as well about family businesses as being smes but actually i mean i, I used to work for mars they were a family business i mean they were, they were huge right. business and so we you know we, we have big big global um organizations that are still family owned right right um so it becomes different just than, than maybe you know um someone with a car dealership or, or in terms of scale or um running a restaurant or right. uh, it's a whole whole spectrum isn't there right right of, of scale i also wanted to mention about you know skills that are helpful are talking skills yeah learning how to talk about things in a positive way without making you statements listening skills honing your listening skills so you can listen for understanding rather than being critiqued having a, a system to manage differences that's positive mm -hmm. rather than negative it's win-win rather than win-lose and the the idea of having a system in your family where uh you can forgive each other if there's if you step on each other's toes yeah. you can forgive each other yeah fantastic we've got to go to commercial break again now so uh so, so shall we shall we after the break we'll we'll continue this line of thread and uh and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about um but i think succession planning would be quite a good one because that's that can be quite challenging in a in a, a family business so back again with you and with uh, tom in just a couple of minutes from the boardroom to you voice america business network would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one -one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. 
Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Tom Hubler. We were talking before the break about uh, some of the kind of key key elements we need to really consider when it comes to family business. And Tom, I sort of cut you off there a little bit in your flow um, as we needed to go into commercial break there. I think you were you were talking, you mentioned then a positive system to manage differences. Um, uh, before we start talking about the succession planning, um, was there, was there anything else you wanted to finish off? I just, I just wanted to comment about, uh, you and I have talked about this before, uh, Hubler's speck of dust theory, that very famous theory that everybody knows about. And I'm sure you're familiar with it. Well, the truth of the matter is you're not because nobody knows about it. But Hubler's speck of dust theory is there's something to talk about. And you think, well, I better not bring that up. If I bring that up, it's going to upset our family, so I'll let it go. Yeah, yeah. And then there's another little difference. And you think, no, I better not bring that up because it's a family holiday now. And I'll screw things up and let it go. So one of the problems in family businesses is that people don't talk about things. They inadvertently create the very problem they're trying to avoid, which is family disharmony, by not talking about their differences. So having a system through family meetings or whatever to talk about differences is a positive thing. And differences are normal. And it's okay to talk about differences. So I just wanted to add that. Yeah. So would that be you? You, you have um, it's important to have family meetings. So in those in those in those family meetings, you would have those conversations about differences in your relationship, as opposed to maybe a business meeting, which might be more about the operations and the strategy so, and operations of the business. Are they? So are, do, you, do you see distinct? They're you know like their family meetings are a hybrid. Uh, you know, family meetings are designed to talk about all the issues and concerns that are typical a part of any family. But in addition to that, some of the business stuff will evoke things on the family side that need to be discussed in terms of expectations, yeah. performance, all that sort of stuff. But you don't literally get into operating and talking about the operation of the business in a family meeting. That's hap- you know, That happens in a business meeting yep. or an owner meeting or a shareholder meeting. Yep. So a family meeting is the hybrid that manages the boundary between the family and the business system. Mm. Makes sense. Makes sense. So how do you best manage succession planning whilst keeping keeping people happy? Because I've been in situations where sons and daughters have uh, felt things are moving too slow or or suddenly they've found um, um, family member wants to, parent wants to go off and uh, enjoy holiday abroad so or so go traveling around the world or something so it happens too quickly um what's the best practice when it comes to succession well there needs to be a plan yeah and, you know and i again i don't know if i've told you this story but when i was a junior in high school i was working for a family business that was owned by five siblings so it was a grocery store and the oldest was a boy uh he, he had been a survivor of world war ii and he always talked in riddles and he was a very jocular guy. And in those days, um, you had to stamp the price of the uh, item on the can. So I was stamping the price of peas 
on three or three tins of peas. And he walked down the aisle and said to me, what's your plan? I said, I don't have a plan. I'm putting peas in the show. And then he said to me again, what's your plan? I said, I don't have a plan. I'm busy putting peas in the shelf. Like, leave me alone. And he said to me, a plan that isn't working is better than no plan at all. And I thought, oh, what a dumb thing to say. Well, anyway, I've used that my whole career. You cannot create a plan in the middle of a transition. So you got to have a plan. And so the the plan, you know, I, I, I alluded to it earlier, you know, basically comes as a, a, of, of, of four functions or four fo- focuses. But it starts with with helping the boss be successful. Yep. As soon as I mention the boss, everybody thinks I'm I'm talking about the older generation. And and say, sorry, I say, sorry, mom and dad, I've just demoted you. You're no longer the boss around here. And the real boss is an acronym. The B is for the business. And what do we need to do to take care of the business? Yep. It's our number one priority. Yeah. Then the O is, what do you want for the other about whether, what the other wants? And so, like, if you and I are brothers now in this business, yeah. what do I want for you about what you say you want? And you need to know that I'm committed to helping you get that. And vice versa, we would have a a reciprocal commitment to each other's success. Yeah. That's what creates a team if people is people committed to helping each other be successful. Then yeah. the first S is what do you want for yourself? It's important to be able to articulate what you want for yourself, but you can't have a team if people only think about what they want for themselves. Yeah. So one of the things that we would do is create the Cooper common family vision to unite the two of us so that as we articulate what we want for ourselves is under the umbrella of the common vision that I shared with you guys earlier today. Yes. And the last ask is, what do you want for the other stakeholders, which I would define as the family as a whole, the employees, the customers, the vendors, the board, and sometimes the community. So the goal is to create win-win solutions that would honor the boss to help you become a vision-driven family-owned business as opposed yes. to problem-focused. Yes. And then the four plans that revolve around this are the ownership plan, which includes yeah. governance, yeah, and distributions and all those sorts of things. It includes management and leadership, which has to do with the career plan for the owner entrepreneur, yeah, career and leadership development plan for the next generation, and family participation. Yeah, it includes a business plan. For those families that are, you know, uh, have multiple members of the family in the business. And lastly, it, it includes a family plan about how to build the emotional equity of the family while you simultaneously build the equity of the company. Yeah. So that's basically succession planning. And, and it basically, it's a, it's not an event, it's a process. It evolves over time. And mm-hmm. you mentioned earlier, sometimes people get impatient. Well, yeah, you know, they are impatient. But they have to realize that this is not an event; it's a process. Yeah. Yes. And and, and I guess the you know, the clearer they are they are on that process and the intention that everybody has, uh, then you know often the happier people are because they having regular expectations expectations managed. <laughs> Excuse me. It's okay. Regular family meetings to talk about these things. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, an expectation. We've got just five minutes now, well, three minutes until I need to uh, wrap up the interview. Um, 
I mean, it was just just um, what's the ideal sort of client for you then, um, Tom? When you're you're helping people, who is who is the ideal family business for your your business? I think basically people who are uh, eager to uh, maintain a successful business and a warm and happy family, and and get stuck, you know, type, you know, get, you know, get it's complicated and they get stuck in the complication. Mm-hmm. And they want it out. That's going to be a win-win, and that's what I'd like to provide is the win-win, uh, the ideas for a successful business as well as a warm family relationship. Yeah, excellent. And anything? Um, we've just got a, about a minute or two left. But um, you're you're an avid beekeeper. What do bees teach us about families? Uh, basically, uh, you know that you know that I kept bees for forty years. Yeah, and the real benefit of beekeeping is uh pollination it's a 16 billion dollar industry in this country and everything that we eat out of the san joaquin valley in california in the wintertime is pollinated by bees and so the yield is higher and uh so the yield on apples is 200 percent higher the yield on cranberries is something like 80 percent higher things like that and um the way i look at it metaphorically is that I have my gifts that I have developed and been given, and I go into uh, organizations, family businesses, and pollinate them and help them develop their gifts, and they have the satisfaction of knowing and, and achieving and all this stuff, their their goals of a successful business and a family, a happy family, and and they uh, I have the satisfaction of of you know contributing to that. So that's the metaphor of the beekeeping stuff that I that I use all the time. Great, great, um, great answer. So um, do you have a final message you'd like to leave us with? Well, I think the, you know, the mo- most important thing is, is gratitude. And uh, uh, I mean, I'll just read you a, a quote. Gratitude is the way the heart remembers kindness, cherish interactions with others, compassionate actions of strangers, surprise gifts, and everyday blessings. So my hope is that uh, that you can be conscious uh, of being thankful every day, learning to live more in the moment, uh, looking for ways to help other people, and uh, being as connected as you can to your family and other people who are important to you. Fantastic, Tom. I think that's uh, been a really helpful interview. and. You know, family is is so important, um, it, and family is a real strength when it comes to be to a business. But there, it, there's, there's a bit of a minefield to navigate, and uh, you've given us some really good good thoughts and inspiration around uh, you know creating the family vision. Uh, you know that they that they plan for when um, family participation plan uh, and forgiveness rituals and some of the things that we really need to consider to be uh, really successful when it comes to family business. So thank you. I really appreciate your your time and very inspiring family life as well. And thank you for having me and let me share my ideas. It's really an honor to do that. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you. And on next week's um, show, we have Wendy Keller. Wendy is a top US book agent. So if you're looking to be published uh, at some point in in the future, then um, Wendy is somebody who helps people who are already very well established. So, But what she also does is help them build their platform as well. So we're going to talk next week with Wendy about how to to, uh, create a book where you also think about um, 
the kind of sales aspects of it, but the different components of uh, of, of getting yourself a publishing deal and, and building your platform. So do join us next week with Wendy Keller and um, do um, go to tomhoobler.com tomhula.com find out more about tom and his family business work and also um, how to access his his excellent book the soul of family business so we'll be back again with you next week um thank you again tom and everybody please please take care and uh, go away uh, and do business well um and ensure that you contribute through your work to a better world so back again with you next week take care bye Thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.